Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Joining us now, Hockey Operations and Prospect Advisor, Manon Realm. How are you doing today, Manon? I'm doing well. Or should I should say, ça va? <laughs> ça va très bien. All right. Uh, and Zach Dooley. Zach, comment ça va? <laughs> I'm, I'm one lingual, so just how, I'm doing well. <laughs> All right, man. Before we start talking about uh, your your new role with the Kings, um, uh, we've been talking to a bunch of people from the front office recently, and I've reached out to some Kings fans and given them an opportunity to ask me questions to ask the people. And the question I have for you is not exactly a question. It's a comment from a fan, and then I'm going to follow it up. The comment was, seeing her hockey card is what got my little sisters interested in playing hockey as kids. They both played for multiple years and loved it. So my question to you is, I should also preface this by saying, if you're listening and you don't know, Manon played for the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, almost 30 years ago now. Um, The only woman to play professional, uh, well, to play in the National Hockey League. At that time when you played that game, did you have any sense that years later you would be getting, you must get messages like this all the time. Did you have any sense of how important that moment would be? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, 30 years ago when I played uh, in Tampa Bay, for me, I was a young girl, 20 years old, getting this amazing opportunity to play, um, to try out in the NHL. And I didn't even know that would change my life because it totally changed my life. And um, I went to camp and I was just there to try to do my best and then try to get as far as I can. And it's not until even like years later that I realized how big of a deal uh, what I did when pants come up to me and said, you know, you're such an inspiration for my daughter. My son did a project on you in school or even like an NHL goalie that says to me, you know, when I saw women going to training camp, I told myself if she can do it, I can do it myself too. So it really felt amazing to realize that my story impacted people in a positive way and it became the most satisfying thing of everything I did in the hockey. We know from players on the team and people in the organization, their kids don't have any appreciation for, for them. Do your sons have any uh, any acknowledgement of, <laughs> of the impact of, your, of what you've done? I think they start figuring it out a little bit more. Like when they were young, I was just mom. And even when I start coaching them, they're like, you don't know anything. Like they don't want to listen to me. But I think it's every NHL players when they coach their kids. Like they don't want to listen to their dads. And so um, it's not until later that they, they start realizing like what I did. Like either they were asked question by a reporter or they had story on me. And I think with my oldest one being a goalie, um, you know, obviously, we had that special relationship when it comes to when I watch his game and we talk about his game, goals that he let in or save that he made. And often, you know, for goalie, 
some goal may look like a bad goal or a save may look like a great save, but us as a goalie, we know that, no, that was not a bad goal. Like, this happened before. Or a save that everybody thought that was the greatest save. It was like, no, I was just lucky on that <laughs> one. So, you know, we were able to have, like, conversation about this game, which made us closer that way. And that's when it, it made it more fun for him to be able to have those kind of conversation with me. I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but you just touched on one of my favorite personal pet peeve subjects. As a fan, I refuse to blame goalies for any individual goal, unless it is just uh, like clearly and obviously a goalie's mistake. My attitude being, if Andre Kopitar scores an incredible goal on the opponent's goalie, I'm not thinking, oh, that goalie messed up. I'm thinking Andre Kopitar is Andre Kopitar. He's incredible. So, of course, he scored. How, how much of that mentality goes into goaltending, whether it's, you know, professional evaluation or, you know, parental evaluation? I think when you're a goalie, um, that's the position you choose. Your job is to make up all the mistakes in front of you. So as a goalie, we blame ourselves for every single goal. Um, that's how you get better. And a good goal, a bad goal, a deflection, your job is to stop the puck. So, uh, But you have to be careful how much to blame yourself, like knowing that, yes, my job is to stop the puck, but certain situations happen in front of it that maybe people see it like as a really, really bad goal that, you know, you were not focused and things like that, but they may not have seen something that happened prior to it. You still even see in the NHL, like I listen to games and sometimes like some person talk about the goal and they're talking about a bad goal or a good goal. And, and as a goalie, you have a different opinion of if it's a good goal or a bad goal. But when you play the position, it's your job to stop the puck. So I think yeah, my son and myself, we were both really hard on ourselves when it comes to letting goals. All right. So now we're going to get into your current role. We're going to come back and touch on a lot of the stuff you just brought up. But we've talked to uh, Mark Inetti, Jared Stoll, and Glenn Murray recently. And one of the sort of through lines has been the idea that player development is a relatively new concept in the industry. Um, certainly with goalies in particular, I think there are some teams in the NHL today that don't even have goalie coaches or goalie departments, which is an entirely separate, insane conversation. But um, given the fact that player development is a relatively new branch of the industry, like how do you see the role you'll be playing? What, what are your thoughts about the role that you've been handed and how would you define it? Yes, uh, obviously, when the kids get drafted, it's one thing getting drafted, but it has a long road before they get it to the to get to the NHL. And along the way, you face adversity. You have the ups and downs. And I think uh, the LA Kings has four great uh, player development guys that used to play in the NHL that are on the ice with those players. But they also have another aspect of it, like the mental part of the game and the like I said, facing adversity, going the ups and downs, and, and be able to follow those young prospects and, and see their progress on and off the ice. And when they have those down moments, it's being there for them and find ways to bring them back up. And, and when they have those high and things going well, to make sure that they're not too high either because we know how it is. Like if you can stay level, uh, it's very important. And I th- feel like... The fact that I coach and I play the game and I also face tons of diversity being the only female playing in the men's sports, um, one of my biggest strengths when I play it was the, my mental toughness and being able to block out everything around me 
to be able to just do what I have to do on the ice. And um, that's something that I, along the way with both my sons at playing both at a high level, I really helped them along the way when they were facing those ups and downs. And I feel I can continue to do that with those young prospects and, and having conversation with them and getting to know them and making sure they're progressing um, to make the NHL one day. How did this opportunity come about for you? Like, Obviously, your resume speaks for itself, but what made the Kings opportunity the right fit for you and the right fit for the organization? Yeah, I, I know a lot of those guys uh, for a few years now, Luke and Nelson and Rob Blake, um, over the years, played charity event uh, for Luke Robitaille's uh, charities in and, and Park City, Utah. So I got to meet them quite a few times in the last few summer, both my son uh, being with CAA. They were here in L.A. Uh, at the prospect camp. So we started having conversation, and obviously in the last year and a half, it become a little bit more more female was getting hired in the NHL and I think that's something it sounds silly to say because I went and try out in the NHL but until you see other women getting a chance to to work in the NHL it's something you don't even think about and um, so being involved in hockey since I'm five years old as a player and you know I always say I think since I'm five years old I spend six to seven days a week at the rink either for playing or watching my kids play or coaching um, so it, it become my life and now having a chance to work with an NHL team and bring all the experience that I had, um, you know, it's the best, best job that I can ask for. You, you played goalie, but a lot of the traits that you mentioned in your last answer weren't unique to being a goalie. Um, so you're going to be kind of working with just the goaltenders or with prospects across the board? Cause a lot of the things you said were more personality and, and that kind of thing. You know, it's prospect across the board, and I think that even if I I was a goalie uh, in the last few years, I coach. I was a head coach of a team, so the whole concept of like the team concept and in in Michigan building my, the entire girls program from the bottom up and and hiring coaches and working with the budgets and doing things like this and having a, a, a vision of what I wanted the organization to look like to be able to place girls hockey, uh, girls in college hockey or on the national team. So, you know, I, I wanted a, girls that uh, keep the puck on their stick and being creative and, and not being robots. So it's find ways to develop them in practice and in the game so they can be creative and use their speed and defense that um, – attack and and be part of the offense and it's funny I also did some TV in the last few years with RDS and one of the things that I had to cover it's the um, press conference when Martin Saint-Louis and um, Kent Hughes got hired and when they were describing what their team they wanted their team to be was exactly what I wanted my program to be six years ago when I started and that's when I started saying like wow like my vision my ideas are the same than some of those teams in the NHL what they're looking for and um, I guess between all of that and knowing some of the players uh, and start talking that's when I got the job offer. There's a lot of talk about uh wanting to increase the diversity within the sport. And one of the ways that that, one of the benefits uh, of that is said to be that when you get, you know, the same group of people in a room, the same ideas get brought up and recycled, recycled, and, and there's nobody there to even recognize that it's the same ideas because it's the same guys, same ideas. Um, 
your experiences probably mirror a lot of those of the guys that we referenced, but obviously because you're you know a woman trying to make it in a men's game because you're a mother, not a father, you know there's a you're you, so you're going to have a completely different set of perspectives. Um, have you found that that value that 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 has given you a chance to already start influencing uh, the organization in a positive way? I think that's one of the reasons that uh, a lot of organizations right now are looking to hire women to bring different ideas and a different approach or maybe different way to communicate uh, with people. And it's not that one is better than the other one. It's different. And when you bring different ideas and that's how you grow, and I think that's probably the biggest reason why they interest, especially female that's been playing the game since they're very young. They've been around the game. And so... Um, I think it could be positive to to find new ways to do things. We we talked to uh, Mark Unetti, and he told us a story about a prospect here that uh, now actually plays in Tampa Bay. And the story that he told us, I'm paraphrasing, so apologies if I put words in his mouth, but the rift in the relationship between the organization and the players sort of hinged on a cultural issue. You know, they misinterpreted his response to a moment that was maybe a little bit beyond what he was prepared to handle in that moment. And they reacted badly and then he reacted badly and then they reacted badly to the reaction to the bench. And it cascaded out of control and now the Kings lose a, a tremendous player. Um, you were talking about your uh, your role and your ability to reach out to prospects when they have those low moments or those high moments. Is that the sort of difference between player personnel and player development is, is the difference between you know, teaching someone how to win a board battle and, and teaching somebody how to win a professional battle? I think it's it's a part of the whole thing. Like, when you look at a player's, uh, you just mentioned, you cannot just look at what they're doing on the ice. I think what's off the ice, uh, the way um, they handle this, themselves off the ice, it's as important as on the ice. And you sit in, on a team, like, you want to have success with the team and the character of the players, the way the the player are, I think makes a difference. So to get to know them as much off the ice and on the ice, I think it's really important and help them through that. So like all those, they get drafted, they're like 19 years old, they're still young and they have a lot to, to learn and it's a big deal and you know, you get drafted, but it's a long way after that to make it to the NHL. It's so hard to get. And I don't think people realize that. Like, there's so many kids that get drafted and never play in the NHL. So the people that makes it, you need to be better of a lot of things on the ice. But you need to be better of a lot of things off the ice, too. And sometimes, you know, people kind of overlook that part of it. Because the the department and the and just the idea is so new, um, I could imagine it would be difficult to find mentors, right? Because nobody ever, you know, like, who does Jared Stoll look to to teach him how to be a good development coach? There weren't development coaches like that. So do you have anybody in your life or your career? I know your dad, uh, you've spoken about how he coached you. Do you have anybody that you sort of look to for advice on this role or, or anybody that you'd like to model yourself after? Obviously, not really someone that I have to model after in this role because it's sure. a new yeah. role, so it would be hard to. But it just a lot of different coaches along the way that um, made an impact. Uh, my dad, obviously, like I learned so much from him, especially because he was in a situation where 
every time I got on a team, he found a way to make sure that people would accept me. Um, and, and just sometimes I was wondering why he would make a certain decision. It's like, trust me, I'm doing this because in the long run, people's going to accept you. And so those little things like that, I learned so much from him. And it has been a big influence in my life. But just those four guys has been working here in the player development at the LA Kings. They already been very helpful in just sharing what they're doing. But obviously, I don't want to just listen to them and, and just do what they're doing because the idea of bringing, you know, a female, it's having other idea that maybe they are not, you know, necessarily doing. And but those four guys are so amazing. Um, on the ice with those players and off the ice following those and they were so accepting of me to uh, the first day that I met him so I'm excited to learn from them and also find ways to to bring something different I talk a lot about uh, my dad on the show so people listening apologies but for now um, I'm talking about my mom for a second Uh, her brother recently passed away and she and I were spending some time together at the memorial service and she was telling me about her life and she was talking about She's reflected back on it, and I don't talk about her a lot, but I think she's lived in a, a pretty incredible life. And I'm constantly bugging her to write her memoirs. That's not the point. She was talking about, uh, she was born in a rural part of Pennsylvania, and she was talking about her own reflections, looking back on how she felt that even though she's accomplished what she's accomplished, she sort of looks back and wonders what her life would have been like if she had had the opportunities that other people had. And just thinking, you know, she had to fight and scrap for everything she got, but what would she have been capable of if she could have spent that energy elsewhere? You've been a trailblazer your whole life. Do you feel like you're still having to fight those fights, or are you now able to just focus on the work that you want to do? I think it changed a lot from back in 92. I remember uh, even the way people talk about my story in 92 then the way they talk about it now it's a totally different story uh in 92 all people were talking about it's always they invite her for publicity and and nobody talked about the fact that i had to perform in training camp to earn the start in an exhibition game Tampa Bay would have never put me in an exhibition game if i was terrible in training camp uh but that was not even like relevant back then they didn't even care about that part of it where today, if someone talk about the story, um, they're going to talk more about that I had to perform to make it to an exhibition game. And it felt really good to see that it took years <laughs> for that side of it to come out. But at the same time, I think it's because of how far um, the whole woman hockey, you know, the fact that the Olympics is covered, that the last Olympics, the number of people watching the game, uh, the work that is made right now to make it professional women's league that is sustainable, that the woman can play hockey and not having two or three jobs and uh, young girls getting drafted in the OHL in the Quebec Major League, um, getting the chance to play. People still talk about it like, oh, it's a girls that get drafted, but it's more accepted. Uh, back then, not, I wouldn't say it was not accepted, but I think people didn't know how to react. And sometimes, back then I was maybe frustrated sometimes to not getting the chance and people said no to me because I was a girl. But I had time to reflect on that. I felt now more than they just didn't know how to react to it. And so I'm not blaming people saying no to me. I think, I guess it was easier for them to say no 
than learning to deal with having a woman on the team. And I can understand that because it was not like today. So I think today what is great for those young girls that get drafted, they're getting a chance to play and try out and see what they can do. And people are taking a chance on them to drop them if they see they're good enough. Do you find um, do you find that the younger generation doesn't have that uh, confusion about how to react to it? Like we had a meeting where somebody referenced your name, and there was um, a young woman who wasn't familiar with your story, new to hockey, and she, like was genuinely excited and just thrilled. There was no confusion. There was no like she was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Like, do you find that you run into that with the younger generation more that it's because it's now been however long it's been that it's just part of the story? Yeah, I think so. And I think the fact, too, that you have so many young girls that play hockey. And uh, in Michigan, my girls' team, my U12 girls' team, we play in the boys' division because we were really good. And that was the best competition we can have. And the boys were playing against us like the same way they were playing against other teams. So for them, playing against the girls was natural, was just normal, was nothing different. And there's so many girls that still play with the boys everywhere. And it become more a natural thing and I think that's where we're going even in every sports when you see a woman getting hired as a coach as a referee as a in the organization I think it become more natural and even I I was nervous like the first night coming in uh with LA the first dinner we had with everyone but I had to say I was so like like it was great to see how welcoming the guys were um, and great conversation that I had with so many people, and, and it made me feel really good to see where we're at now. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but I remember listening to Erin Witten talk about her own career, um, and it was kind of like when you were a, a woman back in the day, you, you could play college hockey, but then you didn't necessarily have a path forward from there if you weren't on the national team. How exciting is it for these younger women to come through, they can play college hockey, and now they have options of what to do. They can play in one of a variety of different places now. It's amazing because you think that the Olympics now is such a big deal, and every little girl that started playing hockey wants to play the Olympics. But in the past, unless you play college hockey for four years, after that you had nowhere to go, and you had to find a way to train and still play to be able to make it to the Olympics. So for those women, like making it to the Olympics and then the next Olympics is in next four years, they need a place to play and having a place to play, I think it's great. And it's not everybody that can play at a high level on the men's side because you have some women that are 5'2 and with the body checking, it's impossible. And goaltending is the same thing. Like you look at goaltending in the NHL, they're looking at 6'2 and up to be a goal in the NHL. So it's a lot harder for any woman to be able to make it to that level. So I think it's so important that we have way more percentage on the women's side. Talk about the Olympics a little bit. I mean, what was that experience like being a part of the first, not only an Olympics team, but the first Olympics that featured women's hockey? It was probably one of the most amazing moments with my exhibition game with the Tampa Bay Lightning. um, Being at the Olympics was amazing like I remember two moments at the Olympics like that first day that I got to the village and I walked down the stair of the bus 
I start having like those feeling, those butterfly in my stomach and looking around and like, wow, like I'm here. And then the other moment was the opening ceremony. I remember when I was a kid, I was always watching the Olympics and I was always excited to see, you know, Team Canada coming, how they're dressed and, you know, which athletes is there. And this time it was me walking around and I don't think I stopped smiling the entire like lap that I did. It was just the easiest day to smile and wave at people and it, the emotion was amazing. But the cool thing is as soon as you stepped on the ice, like it was just a hockey game. The same way that when I remember the same way that when I played in Tampa Bay, like I, I was so nervous before. And I, but when I would step on the ice, like I would forget everything around me, the noise, and I was just playing hockey. And that's another situation where I felt like when I look back, it's to be able to to feel that way when you stepped on the ice. That's why I love the game so much. We talk to uh, players all the time, and we ask, like, Glenn Murray, for example, if he remembers who the first goalie he scored on was and who the last goalie he scored on was. Is there a goalie equivalent of that question? Obviously, you're not scoring on anybody, <laughs> but is there, like, do you remember your first... I don't know, huge save on a, you know, on a breakaway or like, what's the, what's the equivalent of that? I don't know if they have something for a goalie like that, because you, have, you see so many shots a game mm-hmm. and you play the, against so many different players. And especially in my situation, because, you know, I didn't get a chance to play on the same professional team for so long that you, you play against the same player over and over. But, you know, just getting a chance to be, I remember we played the St. Louis Blues and Brandon and Shanahan and Brett Hall and all those guys. Like those are guys that I, I was watching playing hockey and I was on the ice against them. That was pretty amazing. I also remember, I was a big Quebec Nordics fans growing up in Quebec. And that first night I arrived in Tampa Bay, we had a team meeting and I was sitting in the back of the room and. Uh, Phyllis Bustos in front and said, hey, everybody in the back, you have to walk up in front. Nobody's sitting in the front. And I remember walking down and turning to my right and see Tony McKickney there. He was 35 years old. I was 20 years old. And that's the, one of the guys that I watched playing in the Quebec Nordics. And I had a moment of panic, <laughs> thinking to myself, what am I doing here? Do I have time to change my mind on this? I didn't change my mind. I was good after the next day. But that little moment of seeing a guy that plays so many years in the NHL in the same room than you, it was overwhelming. And to me... I'm hoping that experience with some of those young players that coming in here, I can only imagine how they feel. And if I can like relate to them, how they feel. And I think that I can maybe help too, like how to manage, you know, feeling that way when you walk into the room and you're with all those NHL guys and you have to try out. Bad calls, dirty slashing. We expect a little bull on the ice, but you know when we can't stand it? when we're tracking packages, looking up tracking numbers, shipping statuses that never get updated, we call Bullship. So we got Route. It's the free app that tracks everything you order online in one place. Route sends us real-time tracking updates, or we can pop into the app to see where our stuff is on an actual map. Download the Route app in the App Store or Google Play, or head to route.com to learn more. No Bullship, just great tracking. So let's talk about some of the prospects in the Kings system or, or your role with them. The Kings have a lot of guys playing, um, or not a lot, but 
a handful of guys that will be playing overseas this year, a handful of guys playing in, you know, the CHL, NCAA, different leagues. Do you have, you know, um, are there, like, accounts handed to you? Like, you know, Jack Hughes is your account and, you know, Otto Salen is somebody else's account. Like, do you have specific guys that you're going to be tracking? Yeah, I'll have specific uh, players, I think, uh, you know, anywhere between 8 and 12, depending of, like, who's going to make the team, who's not making the team, who's going to play where. But it's going to be mostly uh, the players that play in college hockey, in junior hockey, in USHL. So those are the players that's going to be, uh, and and obviously being located in Michigan, it's like kind of in the middle of all of that, easy to, to get to all those players. And those are the players that I'll be following. I'm going to go see them all like in person at least once before Christmas, once after Christmas. But for me, they'll become like I watch every one of my kid, both my son's games, uh, either in person or, you know, film. So uh, those players going to become like eight or ten more of my sons <laughs> and watching them. So I'll be watching a lot of hockey uh, throughout the years. And because I really want to get to know them um, and really see their progress uh, throughout the years where they start, where they finish. And because and the knowledge, the more knowledge that you have on player, the most you can help them. And will you be working uh, in tandem with, like if, if the player development coaches go out to watch some of these games, are you going with them or are you like trying to be a separate set of eyes, getting, you know, an independent report to report back to them and collaborate on a, on a message? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Uh, obviously, we're going to have collaboration, but we're also going to have, when I'm going to be by myself there, because obviously sometimes maybe some of those players too may not want to say something to one of those guys because they're intimidated and they may feel more comfortable with me or vice versa. So everybody is different. And um, so far, all the kids that I met at the draft, like really good kids and, and just seeing them asking questions and having conversation with them, like makes me exciting to go and meet them and really be part of their journey. Talking to Mark Unetti, he was t- telling us about the scouting process, and he was talking about the interview process. And he said, you know, when you get these kids in the official draft interviews at the combine and all that, they're they're prepped, they're primed, they're they know that it's a process, and they're giving you sort of rehearsed versions of themselves. He said, you got to take them out, take them to dinner, meet with them after a practice, you know, get them to break down four or five, six times mm-hmm. talking to them, and then you start to see the real person. Um, is a long prelude to, I'm just wondering, is your role equally designed to handle the psychological side of their development? You know, like you can be that safe person who isn't, you know, part of the team that comes and reports back and everything. Like maybe you can get them to be a little bit more open and honest about frustrations, concerns, struggles, whatever they might be going through. Yeah, of course, because I feel like it's not only... You know that yes, I play the game and everything, but I also look at the approach. I have two sons that are playing at a pretty high level. I, you know, if I text with them, or I know when things going well, and I know when things not going well, and I don't know if it's a, you know, a female thing when you have that sense. Then, and I, I want them to know that you know that's someone that they can talk to. And it's sometimes you do have some frustration for players, and my son. You know, sometimes it would get frustrated for whatever reason. But I also, I coach too. And I know sometimes coach will make decision for certain reason. It's not necessarily personal to our players. And I can also speak to that and help those. And sometimes just to listen. 
uh, sometimes you just need to talk and vent and to be that person for those kids I think it's going to be important and to know that they have that and if they want to you've worked in almost every part of the industry that I can think of I mean you've you've coached you've played you've worked on equipment you've getting into player development you've been on the broadcast side like she's gonna have a podcast yeah exactly (laughs) I mean if you want one I'm I'm actually all for it in all seriousness um but was there anything that you learned that was most surprising to you or that you think would be most surprising to other people who maybe have only one focus in one area of the industry what did I learn that doing TV is probably more stressful than playing hockey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, obviously, it was great to get myself uh, out of my comfort zone. I was really out of my comfort zone doing TV, especially in English. Uh, but, uh, you know, what you learn, I think that when you have the love of the game and the passion of the game, it doesn't matter if you do TV and you coach, you play, uh, you go watch, you just you invest it in it and and when you are um like i always say i don't feel like i'm working when i'm in hockey like it doesn't matter if i have like seven days in a row that i have to be at the ring either to coach like last year i was coaching i was running a program i was doing tv i i was pretty much seven days a week like watching hockey and doing something and never once i felt like i was working because I'm passionate about the game. So to me, um, and it's all connected somehow. When I did TV, was I was what I was most excited about, it's breaking down things. Okay, we're going to be talking about what didn't work well the last game. So I would watch the game and pick all the stuff that didn't work for the Red Wings to be able to talk about it in between period. And then it, it's no different than breaking down the play of our players but it was towards TV. So you you had to do that and be able to communicate to the people why this didn't work. Um, so I think that it's all connected. As a coach, you watch your team videos and you prepare your team for the next game. As a player development, you're going to be, I'm going to have to watch the player play and see what's work and doesn't work. So it's all connected in a way. It's just different things tv you have to get your hair done and makeup and look good <laughs> you cannot just show up with your baseball cap it's probably the hardest thing on tv but um you know it, it's just it's all about the game and i love the game so that's why i was interested to to try different avenue because it was all around playing the game I'll tell you what doing tv was the most nervous i've ever been probably in my entire life so i feel you um, what was more nerve-wracking, English TV or French TV? So you said you did RDS in, in Detroit. Yeah, uh, the funny thing is I actually said TV was probably the closest thing to play hockey because, one, you work as a team. You have to prepare. It's not just showing up that day. You have a lot of preparation before. The few minutes before you go on, I was a disaster. Like you butterfly, and when it goes, you just have to perform. And like on the ice, you have to start playing. The thing, it's on the ice. You have, you, I don't know. It, it was way more comfortable than being on TV. But uh, I think the French part, what was hard for me, especially the certain word in English, hockey words in English, you cannot really translate like 
exactly the same and it just doesn't sound right in French. So yeah, I had to find the right way to say certain thing in French. And because I'm always in English now, I was thinking English, so I had to practice a lot. So every time I do TV in French, I call my mom and I speak with her in French for about an hour. And then I refuse to talk to anybody in English for a few hours before I go on. So it's a little more, a bigger process. In English, my biggest struggle was some of the name in the NHL. That was really hard to pronounce. And to this day, I cannot say the word penalty the right way. And I try. I'm getting close sometimes, but... What's an example of a phrase, an English hockey phrase that doesn't translate to French? Oh. So I'm thinking like maybe headman pass, on the fly. It's just uh, they, they use different terms to say something. So if you like translate word by word, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. So I had to find the right like way to say it that makes sense to the people in French. I want to ask one more. Too yeah, about, uh, So I, I grew up in minor league hockey. That's the town I'm from, my working background. Do you, what was your, your most memorable story from playing in some of those men's minor leagues? Because I think anyone who's worked in the minor leagues has their minor league stories. Did you have anything that you got to one? You're just like, wow, this is this is kind of weird. I remember we lost a game on the road, and our coach was not happy. We came back from the bus trip, like, late, late, like, I don't know if it was 1 in the morning. We had to get back on the ice and skate. <laughs> And then he sent us home, and we had to be back early in the morning. And I'm thinking to myself today, any coach that would do that, I don't think they would coach anymore. But it was just like, it was crazy to think that back then it was okay to do that. And, you know, when you think back now, that was probably the worst thing to get injury. And But it was just a different time. The other part, too, this is my favorite, I think, when I watch guys getting ready for training camp, they train all summer and everything and all the testing they do in training camp. When I went to Tampa, our cardio testing, we had a little step and you would go up and down the little step for five minutes and then the trainer would put this two finger on your neck <laughs> with his watch and looking at your pulse with his watch. That was our cardio testing in Tampa Bay. So. I know, and that makes me feel very whole because it's been years since it has not been done that way, but that's a story that I'm always going to remember. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Um, talking about TV, since all three of us have been on TV, I can ask both of you. Um, I mean, I find it interesting that both of you talk about the nerves before going on, because for me, the nerves always came in the... Uh, nerves is not the right word, but the the comparison I always give to people is that Doing it is not difficult. It just, it's not, that's not the word I want to use. Let me back up this whole train train of thought. It's not that it's, that what you're doing is difficult. It's that maintaining the focus is difficult because you can't make a mistake. There's no redo. It's live. Yeah, you lie. Like, so you, you have to be in the, you have to be fully in the moment and you can't think about being in the moment because that's where you start to screw up. How close is that to playing in a game where you have to be, but I'm assuming it's a completely different thought process, right? Because you're not thinking, oh, I'm playing, I can't. Like, that's where you go off the rails, right? Yeah, I think the biggest difference for, uh, it is kind of the same in a way, because like you said, when you get, as a goalie especially, you need to be focused and and like kind of being in the moment and be great in the moment. The difference is when I played a sport, I started playing at five years old. I played years of years before I started playing under, you know, big pressure moment. 
TV, you get thrown in there, you start for the first time. I look at videos on my first TV show, uh, TV segment to the last one, and I cannot believe the difference. And the first one was so bad. And, and I'm very, everything I do, I want to do it perfectly. So I'm very critical of myself. Same thing. I don't know if it's a goalie thing because you want to be perfect all the time. Um, but if I say a word this, you know, the wrong way or I didn't feel like I was delivering quick enough or things like that, it's like I was really hard on myself. But someone told me, it's only TV. <laughs> and most of the time, too, in between periods, people go get something to drink or eat and they come back. So a lot of people miss what you just did. And, and also people told me, too, it looks, you think it's work is worse than what people are saying. So when you don't feel comfortable, something said, listen, it's worse than people that watch doesn't see what you think how you were basically uh one of the things that's come through in all the interviews that i've read about you and, and seen about is that you have an incredibly high competitive compete level you're very competitive um one of the other drawbacks of being a, um, a trailblazer and, and going into new areas is that it would be i would imagine difficult to judge yourself or to have something to compare yourself to to know how to get better um, because there's no existing comparison to work off so you know, I know your little brother's a coach. I know you've talked about your dad. You obviously have mentors throughout the industry. But, like, do you have any – any? do you have somebody that you look to as a measure to say, like, okay, that's not even how I want to ask. I'm struggling here today, guys. <laughs> if you're watching game tape, you can look at the game tape and you can go, oh, there's a mistake. That led to that. If you're watching, you know, uh, yourself on TV, you can say, oh, I flubbed that or, or I wish I had done that differently. Is there an element of that in your current role where you can see potential room to self-evaluate and grow? I guess the self of it, to me, the biggest thing, and I think that um, that's what probably got me to where I am now. And that's one of the things that, you know, for years I've been coaching and in my the program that I, that I run, one of the biggest things, it's work ethic for me. Like I remember when I played and after I signed a contract pro, obviously, I didn't have half of the experience of all the guys there. So I knew that I had to do more. And it always been like what I had to do when I was younger. So being the first on the ice and, and stay longer and do extra. And that's what I did. But it stayed with me for the rest of my life. It doesn't matter what I do. Um, I know that the only way I'm going to be satisfied and feel comfortable and be successful, it's to know that I did everything that I could to do my job the best that I could. So, and that's something that it doesn't matter if it's TV, like, you know, I, that's why this past year doing TV and running the program, like I was just, it was a lot because I wanted to make sure that everything I do, that I'm giving my, the best chance to be successful. And I guess in this role, that's going to be no different. Like I'm going to do what I need to do to give me the best chance to be successful and to help uh, those players and so it, I always said to my girls when they joined the program the two things that are important it's work ethic and respect like if you want to go far in life um, you need to be willing to work hard you don't things doesn't get easy people's not going to end things to you you have to work to to get it and, and respect like you respect people around you respect your coach and 
and that's important. So if you, you have those two things, I told them that they got a good chance uh, to have success. And they'll face adversity. Everybody does. It doesn't matter. It's not just in hockey. It's in life in general. And you don't talk to one person that never faced a no or adversity or something didn't go. It's how you handle yourself when you face those situations. So I'm not going to say that this is going to be like easy and like I'm probably going to face adversity along the way the same way that I face running my program. Even if we had an amazing, successful program, um, we face adversity along the way and you just find a way to overcome those. Excellent. Well, listen, we appreciate all of your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And so we, looking forward to work with you yeah. more. <laughs> can we follow up in a few months and see how you're doing on penalty? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Man, thank you so much. Thank you.